Performance is not just for top athletes and actors. It's something we engage in every day of our lives. But the question is, are we performing at our best? How we think, feel, and behave all influence our results from day to day. Dr. Christie and her guests will show you the common elements behind performance and how it all ties back to our success. Welcome to The Mental Game of Life with Dr. Christy Warner. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Dr. Christy Warner, and I'm very excited to be with you today. I love to blend the sport world as well as other disciplines like psychology and sociology with best practices in the business world, especially around the topic of performance and using tools, primarily the mind, to help us really excel in the corporate environment. So just as a reminder, as it's related to this show, performance can range from those big moments in life all the way down to those smaller activities we engage in, including how well organized we are in the morning. Are you hectic looking around for misplaced keys or do you have a morning routine that sets you up for a calm, focused and productive day? Today we're talking all about productivity and performance in the workplace. I've personally learned a lot about the productivity space over the last couple of years. Two years ago, I was approached by a consulting firm specializing in productivity and work-life balance to join their firm. And today we have a very special guest, Sally McGee, CEO of McGee Productivity Solutions, also my CEO. She'll be joining us later to explore our topic today. So last week, we talked about the epidemic of overwhelm seeping into many cultures around the world. The impact of this regularly experienced stress and anxiety can be linked to increased depression and cancer rates. We are already seeing a difference in our millennials. They have an increased rate of depression compared to other generational cohorts, cohorts in North America. And the CDC indicates that stress is the number one proxy, the precursor to about 90 to 95% of all human disease. Stress leaves our immune system vulnerable to pick up viruses, bacteria, and the opportunity for our body to miscommunicate inside of it. And we see that with autoimmune disorders and overgrowth of certain cells, what we call cancer. So how does our technology fit into this epidemic of overwhelm? Is technology making our life easier or more difficult? And what's the impact to our productivity? We often have endless emails to manage on top of our real work. We're connected to work via technology more than we have ever been before in human history. Some of you may be even wishing for those old days back when we punched in and punched out of work, where those lines between work and home were much more defined. Now, some of you listening may not even remember those days, but I promise you they used to exist. Today, the lines between work and home have been severely blurred for many roles. So the question is, is technology helping or hurting our productivity? Well, it depends. Certainly, we enjoy the luxury of information at our fingertips. Doesn't everyone love Google, Surrey, Alexa, etc.? Of course, we have some great team apps like OneNote, Jive, and other social network sites that help teams to get quick answers and facilitate more collaboration within the workspace. We have wonderful online conference tools that allow virtual meetings to be easy and seamless, lowering the travel and providing more connection for our remote workers or our global teams. There are some great apps for travel and expenses that save us time. And of course, there is our social media, like Facebook and LinkedIn, that keep colleagues and friends and family connected. Even my 87-year-old grandmother now has a Facebook page, and she successfully has Skyped me twice. So, you know, technology certainly has its benefits. 
and it had provides wonderful opportunities for us. So I think the real question is not around the technology itself, but around our habits and our behavior with our technology. And are we using our tools correctly for their intended purposes and with healthy boundaries? So let me give you an example of what I mean. So Skype for Business or IM capabilities allows colleagues in the workplace to send a quick message to ping somebody, very much like texting, but it's over the internet and on the computer. And at first, when people get this great tool, it sounds like fun. It's cool, right? It's all fun and games when it first starts and it's first available to us. We're in that novelty phase. Then suddenly, we're seeing how 15 to 20, we're getting 20 different pings a day, short conversations here and there. That's 15 to 20 times that you have to stop what you're doing, focus on this con- this conversation over the computer, and then try to get back to what you're doing. Each time we leave and return to our initial task, we are using vulnerable, valuable mental resources to reorient ourselves to what the heck we were doing in the first place. So, and I hear this over and over again in organizations. When new technologies get invited into a group without healthy boundaries or norms, it can really tank productivity. So when we just allow these pings to come up all day long interrupting us, sometimes that can actually really be a detriment to productivity. So having some norms and boundaries around that can be very, very helpful. So that's just one example, Skype just being one example. And I love what Bill Gates says. He says, the first rule of any technology used in business is that automation applied to an efficient operation will magnify the efficiency. The second is that automation applied to an inefficient operation will magnify the inefficiency. So I think it's really important for us to keep in mind our own behaviors around our technology and are they helping us or hurting us? So going back to that idea of switching tasks, we talked about that quite a bit last week I mean, in the impact of the brain, and it really takes a toll in the brain and the mental energy and reserves we have um, to go back and forth and back and forth. Like I was that example of the, going to, the, to Skype to have this quick conversation or to texting or to Facebook, whatever the case is, or going to your email, it can really leave you feeling exhausted at the end of the day. And quite frankly, it wastes time to switch activities because your brain has to basically... New script for task A. Then I have to go back to task B and get the rules up for that one and then go back to task A and then B. So it really takes time and a toll on your brain. And in fact, it's estimate that we lose three to five minutes each time we do this for simple tasks. And research shows that we are deeply engrossed in a task, like when we're in flow. We're really engrossed in something. Even the very smallest distraction can have a profound effect on us. According to the University of California, Irvine, their study, regaining your initial momentum following an interruption can take on average of up to 20 minutes, 20 minutes of your time. So now switch tasking, of course, is a little bit better than multitasking. And we can see this happen in the workplace as well. When you're talking to somebody, they're checking their phone, they're paying about half, half percent of the attention to you, if that. And how, how does that feel? You're actually trying to have a conversation. They're focused on their phone. So now we start looking at our habits around technology, and it has consequences for our own mental energy, our time, and our connection with others. So there was a study uh, that a career builder did, and they took over 220 hiring and human resources managers across the United States. And they wanted to know their thoughts around the interference and the exposure workers have to this barrage of 
digital interruptions. And what they found was that this group of people said that they do have these workplace productivity killers. And the first one is the cell phone and texting. That's what half of the, the people mentioned, followed by the internet being a major distraction, social media and email following the fourth major interruption in the workplace. So let's look at our behavior around this simple tool called email. Research in 2013 by Pew Charity Trust found that those who work primarily behind a desk, so knowledge workers, indicated that the internet and email were the two top technology tools used and the most important for productivity. So let's keep that in mind. And I want to ask you some reflective questions around email. How do you, do you find yourself getting distracted by an email coming in into your inbox and you stop the task you're working on and go look at that one email? Do you find yourself checking email in the morning before you jump out of bed or right before you go to, you go to sleep? Do you ever feel like your inbox is overflowing or feel overwhelmed with the endless supply of emails coming in each and every day? Are you doing email nights and weekends just to keep up? And do you find yourself checking it constantly? Sometimes those are our behaviors around email that have been created both by ourselves and in our workplace. So I want to talk about some key facts about productivity because if you're feeling overwhelmed by email, you are certainly not alone. And our guest speaker today is really going to sort help us out with this. But let me share some facts with you. In 2016, it was estimated that 192.2 billion emails are sent a day. On average, we spend 637 hours in the inbox each year. And as documented in an article by Graham Winfrey, the staggering costs of business. He presents this great infographic from an organization called Cantata, which did the math on this cost. And they use some very basic but reputable, reputable estimates on the average salary of people as well as the average hour people spend in, been, spend in their email. What they found, collectively in North America, workers spend nearly 75 billion hours in email a year, costing $1.7 trillion when we add up the salaries. $1.7 trillion. Wow. Now, we, out of that $1.7 trillion, other estimates suggest that about $650 billion is wasted on unproductive emails. I'm sure you guys all know what I mean by those reply alls, those confusing emails. You're not sure if you have an action. You're not sure the structure of, uh, of the email. Also, those ones that go back and forth and back and forth, and it's really a conversation. So the question is, how much time and money are you wasting on email? It's a good, interesting question. The other thing that I want to bring to our attention is a couple of interesting facts and studies. I mentioned this one last week, but I think it's worthwhile mentioning it again. This was by MIT and the University of London, where they looked at people who are connected to technology all day long. And what they found is over the week, they're actually their IQ goes down about 10 points. The other thing is, it's very interesting about employee engagement. If you're in, very interested in that topic as, as a leader or as a person, Dr. Um, Sonnenteg in Germany has done a lot of really great studies on engagement daily engagement. And what she's really found is that people who are connected to technology all day long or work all day long actually come in less engaged the next day. So you can imagine if you're doing that repeatedly, repeatedly, by Friday, you're going to be pretty exhausted and kind of checked out. So what's really important is sometimes to disconnect from our technology in order to be engaged in our work. And also, remember I've mentioned a couple times, I'm 
previous shows that what causes us to be mentally drained or overwhelmed can be boiled down to two main things, two main buckets. The first is there's too much input coming from our environment into our brain, which means we have too many windows up, we're multitasking too much, we've got too much information, or we have too much information swirling around inside our own mind. So those are the one of the two ways that we get overwhelmed pretty easily. So what's exciting is that we have a special guest today that's going to help us sort this all out. Sally McGee is going to be joining us. And so I'm going to introduce Sally before we go on break, and then she'll be joining us right after that. Sally has over 37 years of expertise in the productivity space, helping clients build stronger teams and more strategic cultures around productivity to really leverage the resources, both the human resource and the technology resource, to increase profits while providing balance for employees. In 2003, Sally founded McGee Productivity Solutions to help individuals, teams, and organizations become more productive. She's a recognized thought leader an inventor in the field of productivity management. The programs she's developed for Fortune 500 companies are Take Back Your Life, Strategic Team Planning, and Team Productivity Program, all with quantifiable results in producing long-term sustainable productivity, employee retention, and increased profitability. Sally's programs give corporate professionals an average of 10 hours back to their schedule each week, all while helping them be more productive than ever. So remember, we just talked about how much time thing, time we can lose, how much stress we're under by with all of our technology. So let's figure out how we can create better solutions to help us manage our behaviors with technology. So today we have a special guest. Thank you so much for joining the show. We'll be right back with organizational and productivity guru, Sally McGee. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. What sets apart VoiceAmerica.tv from the other video content providers on the Internet? Choice and flexibility means that you can host your video content live or on demand on the main VoiceAmerica.tv channels through your own branded media player or your own private TV channel. We support multiple media formats, so all of your video content can be in one place. We offer a number of advertising and video packages. For more information, visit VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. This is The Mental Game of Life. To reach Dr. Christy Wanner, send an email to thementalgameoflife at gmail.com. Again, that's thementalgameoflife at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back. Today we're talking about productivity. How can we be effective and efficient so you are on top of your work game? How can we manage those endless emails, manage your technology tools versus them managing us? Well, we're going to continue that conversation with our guest, Sally McGee, CEO of McGee Productivity Solutions. Welcome to the show, Sally. Hi, everybody. Glad to be here. Great. Well, thank you so much for for joining us. I'm excited to dive into explore your wisdom and knowledge but first I would love to share with the listeners your journey a little bit of your journey about how you became a productivity guru and and how you eventually ended up opening McGee Productivity Solutions. I think that very early on I was um, fascinated with organization because it enabled me to be a lot more present And I think I was a little anxious, and I noticed that when I was more prepared and more organized, I was able to be more present and less anxious. And so I spent quite a bit of time working on how to be more organized and more productive. And then I began to realize that that was a skill, and people wanted that skill. And then as I got more involved in corporate, the corporate world, other people started to ask me, how I was doing things and helping other people be more organized. And then I began to realize that it was indeed a business. And then I began to see that there were much larger ramifications in terms of people's state of mind, um, their performance, their sense of themselves, their relationship with others and their family, their sense of work-life balance. And then it, as I got more mature and older and was able to think more extensively and strategically, there was a lot more ramifications, and um, it sort of became a personal check. I experienced it other than how much it's helped. Grateful, and I was people make particularly in America, that there is a lot of mindsets that enable people or that that are enabling people to walk very long hours, not have the balance, but have lots of reasons and stories as to that are keeping them in a state that may not be as healthy as it could be. So at this point, I have a personal mission (laughs) and a corporate mission to see what we can do to impact some of those paradigms and mental states of being. Oh, that's wonderful. And I think I have my next question for you. It's pretty broad, and I know you touched on that a little bit in your um, talking about your journey. But when you look into the corporate world right now, given all your experience with the many, many clients you work with, what are the major productivity challenges that you're seeing in the workplace today? 
I think that some of the major challenges that people are having, the, the circumstance is just the avalanches of information that's coming through from email, social media, um, you know, the way that our computers are now being set up with Office 365 and my analytics is just so much information and also people being able to connect with each other so quickly and so rapidly and the ability to copy people on information. So the circumstance is an avalanche of information. And then I think the what what how does that relate to a person and, and, and a person's approach? And I think a lot of that has to do with people changing their mindsets in terms of creating boundaries and being really, really clear in their own mind what are the most important things and realizing that they can't get everything done. I think that the massive information sometimes promotes a reaction of wanting to get everything done as opposed to people stepping back from all of the information and saying, what are the most important things for me to leverage to fulfill either my personal mission or vision? And then what type of boundaries am I going to need to create for myself to be able to be focused and spend deep focused time in the things that really matter? I'm not quite sure if that answered your question, but you can let me know. Yeah, no, I think there's a lot of ways we could go from there. Um, I was, before you joined, I was talking a little bit about technology and and setting healthy boundaries around that. Do you think you could talk a little bit more about what you mean by boundaries and how can we create that with our technology? Yeah, so I think there's, there's, you know, the simplest way of doing it is not having all your notifications on so that you're being constantly notified of uh, an email message or a Facebook or a LinkedIn or a uh, see, uh, client relationship manager type re- notification. So one would be reducing the notifications, knowing that you have on your calendar time to look through those so that you're giving yourself another way of seeing what the information is and that you're responding to it, but you're not reacting to it throughout the day. So one way to look at boundaries is in the realm of reacting versus responding And if you lose the reacting and move into responding, that's where a boundary can take place, where if you spend an hour a day looking through your email and LinkedIn and so on and so forth, you're not missing anything. You're responding to things, but you're not reacting to things. And that creates a healthier, smarter uh, environment for your brain to function. I think another piece that's a little bit more sophisticated is that People train each other regarding how they communicate. So, for example, if you're in an organization and you're responding rapidly to everybody, unconsciously you're um, training people to go, oh, well, every time I send uh, Sally McGee an email, she's going to respond in three minutes. Therefore, I don't really need to plan my email communications because she'll respond right away. If you do that with multiple people, you start to feel like you have to respond right away. So a healthy boundary might be resetting the expectation and then in the future making sure it happens in the future rather than afterwards where you let people know I'll respond in 24 hours. And frankly, for most people, what they're looking for is a routine response, not an immediate response. So if they know that you'll respond in 24 hours, 
they're going to be very happy with that from a customer service perspective. Now, that doesn't apply to all roles in companies. I mean, when you're in IT and things are breaking, obviously the response time is different. But I'm just talking, generally speaking, a healthy boundary to set with your internal customers and external customers is how you're going to respond and when you're going to respond. And also, you know, uh, moving reactivity as much as you can from your day-to-day systems into more of a responsiveness. Yeah, I love what you're saying there. I think it hits on really two points that I've talked about a little bit today and on other shows is that idea of getting out of that fight or flight, which is that reactivity mode and moving more into response, which is such a healthier place for your brain. And the second thing I love that you said is this idea of we teach people how we want to be treated. So essentially, there's that training piece. If you do respond instantly to something, then they expect that of you. And then all of a sudden, you have those internal expectations of then now you're trying to live up to those those invisible expectations that got set, which then creates that cycle of stress. Yeah, and I think that, you know, also, you know, the boundary conversation can expand to so many other areas that once you make a move, uh, a simple move of turning off notifications, it it actually feels quite empowering, and then that may cause you to say, well, I'm going to reset expectations with my customers. That becomes even more empowering, and then another boundary that can be set that's really helpful is it starts off being more of an internal boundary, but it does, in fact, impact your uh, possibly the internal customers you work with in your company, and that one relates to... um, Setting boundaries about um, the communications that you're responding to, and just to give a little more data around that, if you're very clear about what your objectives are, and just to pause for a moment, one of the statistics that I've created in the work that I've done with people individually is that people spend about 30% of their time during the day working on things that actually don't relate to their objectives. So that's quite a lot of time if you were to think about what you could do at that time. And part of that comes from this concept of boundaries where when you receive a voicemail or an email or Skype or et cetera, et cetera, if it's asking the question and slowing down, again, rather than reacting, moving into that responsive mode, is this something that's really going to impact one of the objectives of my team or one of my objectives? And uh, if not, redirecting it or letting people know or if it's a, uh, related to an objective of a team member, redirecting it to that team member. I think that people want to be good stewards in organizations. They want to help each other, and it's really out of the kindness of their heart that they get involved in things that really aren't their objectives, but ultimately it can affect their performance review, and it can also affect their sense of work-life balance. Having people be clearer about their objectives and focusing on their objectives, although it sounds sometimes a little bit... Um, controlling can actually make a a big difference in a team. I'd I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on that too. Yeah, well, I think you're, you're making a really good point of the fact that either really overly ambitious people or people who are really kind hearted end up having too much on their plate, which may not be their main goals or objectives for the year which then what I'm hearing from you is saying that there's a cost to that. There's a cost to work-life balance and there's a cost that you may actually not make your own goals this year because you are busy trying to take care of other people's goals and taking them on your plate. Am I tracking you with that? Yeah, no, exactly. And, you know, I think that's tough for people because we do want to be helpful. But, you know, most people have a team of people that they're working with. And if you focus on what, what your boss has given you to focus on, 
then you're really in alignment with your boss. And so you can even renegotiate with your boss as you're saying, hey, well, these are my objectives. It looks like something else is coming down the pike. What's most important? So, you know, the skill of renegotiating is also very important because goals in some organizations, especially entrepreneurial organizations, might be a little more dynamic. So boundaries are really good, but the ability to communicate boundaries is a key uh, skill for people to learn and also renegotiating because you may find that something comes along that's a lot more important and then you can renegotiate within your team to work on that and that can make a really big difference. And again, remembering if you're spending 30% of your time not working on your objectives, then that could impact your success and performance and it could also impact the success of your team. Mm-hmm. It's a great point. And I, I want to take a slight left turn maybe and talk a little bit more about workplace balance. And I was talking earlier um, about people being so connected, like we're more connected than we ever have been t- been before in history. And what is your thought around overconnectedness um, and the impact of that on personal productivity or even workplace productivity? Well, I I think connectedness is a wonderful thing, but I think, uh, like everything in life, everything can be too much of a good thing. (laughs) And so I think it's very important for people to disconnect. And, you know, uh, even the concept of sitting and breathing for five minutes and not doing anything, whether you're a meditator or not a meditator, taking time to have a digital break. I mean, even the fact that we're using that taxonomy today, and people are definitely using it about taking digital breaks. I think it's very important for people to step away from technology to to sit and breathe, to walk, to go outside, to be with their families, to be engaged in other things. I think that ultimately, by stepping away, when you come back, your, your brain has had time to relax and your psyche has had time to regenerate and your work will be better. And there's so many studies out there that prove this. And I think that it's just become hard for people with the volume and and because of the conversation we had about boundaries for people to disconnect. I also think that when people don't disconnect, it impacts their sleeping, it impacts their tolerance and patience, and it also impacts their ability to be neutral and ultimately kind. I think that when you're constantly connected, there's a sense of feeling that you're on a treadmill and that uh, people's patience is dramatically reduced. Um, I think their ability to have compassion. And the other thing is deep concentration. I think that sometimes uh, the level of distractions actually stop people from really focusing and concentrating on one thing and going into it in a profound way such that they can come up with ideas and strategies that they have not done before, that people sometimes with the level of distractions, their work is ending up being lighter and not deeper. And I think the concept of taking a digital break and moving away and coming back is really important. And I also think doing work where you're not multitasking with all of the digital options is really important because I think some of the best work and best ideas of people is done in somewhat of an isolated, door-closed, not answering email, not answering the phone, doing deeper, more concentrated work will produce better results. Yeah, what I'm hearing you say or what's really resonating with me is the giving yourself 
the ability to focus, to get deep into what you're doing, but also to allow the creativity to happen. It's very hard to be creative if you're just bebopping from one thing to the other. So if that's part of your work, engineers, or, I mean, there's so many people that have need to be creative and problem solvers that we really need that time to focus in order to allow those insights to emerge. Yeah, I think there's a sort of a philosophical point here that um, has been really true for me, which is that creativity is a very powerful thing, and I'm seeing people uh, respond and react to um, outside stimuli for their creativity as opposed to removing that and then going inward and creating from a more inner, deeper focus and allowing themselves to pull from their wealth of knowledge and experience. As you said, if you're bebopping, I can't like that term. If you're bebopping around between, you know, emails and and text and uh, Skype and uh, you know, getting back to your uh, clients quickly, if you don't have boundaries, that sense of closing a door and and doing deep inner reflection, strategy, concentration on a project. And many things we work on really do require fair amount of concentration. I'm noticing that that type of work is becoming more and more valuable because there's so many other distractions in the world that are causing us not to have that deep concentration time. Yeah, so many great points, Sally. Thank you so much. So right now we're going to take a quick break. Thank you for tuning in. We'll be back with more insights about how to manage our technology and workflow to be more productive and balanced. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. This is The Mental Game of Life. To reach Dr. Christy Wanner, send an email to thementalgameoflife at gmail.com. Again, that's thementalgameoflife at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back. 
Thank you so much for joining. We're here with Sally McGee, CEO of McGee Part TV Solutions and organizational guru. Sally, before the break, you were sharing some really awesome insights about, you know, creating space to focus, the importance of turning off notifications, you know, helping, you know, people really think through how to be in control of their technology versus technology being in control of them. And I know your company offers many wonderful solutions. Um, What's most well known in the corporate world, of course, is your training called Take Back Your Life. Would you be able to kind of talk us through what this training entails and, and what are the benefits for people who go through this particular seminar? Yeah, the Take Back Your Life seminar is, is designed for corporate workers um, to enable them to reduce the amount of distractions, get more focused on the things that are most meaningful to them, uh, to help them delegate more effectively and get a lot more done during the day so they can go home uh, on time and spend quality time with their families. It's also designed to help them uh, in a way on how they're being so that they can be more relaxed and more in control during the day and how they react to the mass amount of information that's coming in. So the, the benefits of people are that they will end up spending less time doing email, that they will have less email, that they will be more on top of their projects and work, that they can go home sooner, spend more time with their children and family, sleep better, and find information faster and quicker, be more present in their one-on-ones with their direct reports, spend more time uh, strategically. And uh, it comes in various formats. It can be done publicly. uh, It can be done in person. It can be done virtually. We have an online program. Um, Our website, McGee Productivity Solutions, uh, is one that you can go to and access all of that information from the website. So we're trying to make it as available as we can. It also can be done in a custom version specific to roles because obviously the roles that we play, and we've been talking a little bit about that as we've talked about boundaries and people doing deeper, more concentrated work with less distractions, the roles that we have are very different. Some require more distractions and some require more strategy. So how we apply productivity is a very customized event and it very much relates to a role and people's um, outcomes and goals. Wow. I, I mean, I can say, because I've been through it and I, and I teach it as well, um, it is a really amazing training. And, and it all has all those benefits that Sally just mentioned. But Sally, can you talk a little bit about like, how, how this seminar in particular, it's driving productivity and it helps people to think through helps them to be more balanced and focused on the thing, but it also really does this really cool thing where it marries it with the technology tool that most people are using. Could you dive into a little bit more about the that piece of the seminar? Yeah, so one of the most important things I think today about being productive is there's no uh, circumstance where, or there are a few circumstances where we're not going to interact with technology. So a lot of people are using the Office 365 or different versions of Microsoft technology or Google, et cetera. And so one of the most important things is how are we organizing our calendars, our task lists, and our to-dos, and our email inside of technology to support a more productive approach. A simple example that we use is a simple model called the four Ds when you're processing your email, no matter what tool that you're using, uh, you know, the first piece of it is rather than reacting to emails throughout the day, and we have seen quite a few people on their phones in a meeting under the table 
processing email. So one way to, to remove that activity is to go more into a response, which would be scheduling time on your calendar to process your email. Um, that sounds a little drastic to some of us, but if you were to do that two or three times a day, you could still look at email but not actually respond to it and save those just responses for your calendaring time. And then during that time, we have this very simple model called the 4Ds, which is if you hit an email that you can do in less than two minutes, get it done. But if it takes more than two minutes, stop for a minute and pause. Ask yourself if it's something you could delegate to somebody else on your team to do, which you can do. Or if it takes uh, more than two minutes and you have to do it, is it something that you're going to defer? And we have a nifty technique for putting that into a task list. And then, of course, there's the... Uh, B section, loss of the Bs, which is to delete, which I, I really do like that one. I'm sure most other people do as well. So then you end up with doing email in less than two minutes, deleting email, delegating it to other people, and if it's something you need to do that takes more than two minutes, deferring it into a category where you can then sit down and do some of that deep, concentrated work of answering emails well so that if you do write a great email you can get a lot less responses to your email questioning it because it's not clear. And I, I know that all of us that are listening have received emails that require a lot more response. That's just a little snippet of, of how we work with technology. Um, what we do is very integrated with technology, and it actually, when you use technology well, it can be very, very useful, but we can also use technology in a way where it's... Um, beating us over the head a little bit, and we're reacting to it more than we are responding to it. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I think that's useful for anybody. Like you said, that's using Outlook or using Gmail. You can use those four Ds to really think through and make a decision about the email versus leaving it in the inbox. So one of the things that the, the, the class really talks about, I mean, there's two things I would love to get your insights on is the importance of keeping a clean inbox versus a cluttered inbox and to the importance of keeping a clear mind. And the class really talks about that. Do you have any insights that you could share with the listeners around those two pieces? Well, I think that one of the things that's interesting as we approach our email and all, all this email is coming in, it's not coming in in priority order. And it's not coming in as the most important email first. And it comes in randomly. So reacting to our email is just perpetuating um, a state of mind uh, that that is not necessarily stepping back, stepping away from the keyboard and really saying to ourselves, you know, what is the most important thing for me to focus on? And from that filter, I'm now going to look at my email. And as my email is coming in and it's coming in randomly, how do I make decisions on that email so that it's really supporting those most meaningful objectives? So one point there is that when you do step away from your email and start to approach it differently, you can remain and stay in that focus of what's most important as opposed to falling back into reacting and then getting to the end of the day and going, did I really do anything important today? I think the other part of that is that much like the feeling of overwhelm that we all get from Skype pinging, and emails pinging and texts coming in, it creates this sense of being very scattered and sort of not being able to go to the well and have that really good thinking. That if you can go through your, your email and delegate and delete and file and defer, not do everything, defer it into an appropriate task to look at later, 
it does give you a sense of completion, and that sense of completion gives you a sense of peace. A lot of our customers say that they sleep a lot better at night because they're not keeping things in their head. They're actually keeping them in their system, be it Google or Outlook. So we're creating a total life to-do list where instead of people leaving activities in their inbox, often people will open an email, not act on it, and close it, and then it goes into their head. And if you do that multiple times, you're now sharing your inbox in your mind. Your mind is becoming your inbox, and you're worrying about it and thinking about it. You haven't completed anything. Whereas if you go through your emails and actually complete them and make a decision about whether you're filing, delegating, doing, or deferring, that decision helps you um, create a level of completion and you can move into a zen approach where all of a sudden if all of your activities attract in a total life to-do list where everything you have to do is organized in one list, you can close the system and walk away from the keyboard feeling refreshed and present, knowing that all the things you have to do will still be there when you go back to work the next morning, as opposed to carrying them home with you. Another example might be, imagine if you were wearing a Velcro suit and everything that came to you that was incomplete stuck to you on your Velcro suit. You'd be going home covered, let's say, in all these post-it notes, and you'd be feeling like, oh, my God, I need a shower, and I need a, for some of us, a Velcro and tonic just to get over the day. Um, and that happens for a lot of people. Imagine taking all those Post-it notes off that Velcro suit and putting them into your total life to-do list, closing Outlook and going home, and now you're clear. And that's what we're really trying to give people of is that experience of really letting go, putting the incompletes where they belong in a digital system, not in your mind, and allowing yourself to go home as a human being not a human doing. Mm-hmm. Wow, it's powerful. I mean, everything you're saying, even though we've had these conversations before and even though I teach the class, I mean, it's just powerful to hear you talk about it. I mean, it really does change people's lives. That's why it's called Take Back Your Life and it helps people to really do everything that you mentioned. So thank you so much for sharing that. Um, in one minute, so there's other programs that obviously MPS has. In one minute, do you think you could share a couple other things that Um, other solutions that we have at the company? I think one thing uh, would be um, a a lot of companies don't have standard protocols for how they run their meetings and how they respond and react to email, as we've been talking about. Coming together as a team and agreeing on how to manage standards and protocols around meetings and email and communications is very powerful, so that would be one thing. Another thing would be accountability, which is, um, you know, people want everyone to be more accountable, but we don't like holding people accountable, and we don't like to receive information about being accountable. But when you can open up that conversation in a company to help people be more accountable and then use a system to track that in an empowering way, it makes a really big difference. So I'd say one of our programs, Team Productivity, creating standards and guidelines for teams to really take their meetings, communications, and email protocols to a different level, accountability, being able to work more effectively with each other in terms of accountability conversations, people becoming and actually being more accountable inside of an organization is a very, very valuable asset. 
I'm thinking that's about a minute, or do I have a? No, yeah, that's that? that's good. Thank you, Sally. And again, um, if people want to connect, um, they can go to the website mcgeepro.com or put in McGee Productivity Solutions into Google, and you'll find the website. So, Sally, at the end of every show, I do what's called like a recipe for success, and I kind of take in five key points. So I would love for you to start us off. So if someone wanted to get started to increase their daily productivity, save time, or increase their performance, what's the main piece of advice or what's one behavior change you'd recommend to our listeners to start with? Uh, one change would be schedule time on your calendar to do your email maybe two or three times a day. Stop looking at it all day long and do it during that time on your calendar. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being a guest on my show. I really appreciate your time and your wisdom and sharing it with all the listeners. You're welcome. Absolute pleasure. Great. Thank you. It was so wonderful having Sally on the show, and she just really started us off with a recipe for success. So I'm going to add a couple more to our recipe for success for this week. Number one, eliminate or decrease temptations for multitasking by shutting down your email silencing your phone a couple hours a day to allow you to focus on your real work. Another way, turn off email and phone notifications so you can check your devices when you want to. Allow your, do not allow your devices to steal your attention away. Keep your technology in check. Make sure you rule it, not the other way around. Number two, cluster similar activities together, keeping the ramp up time and the transition time between task to task to a minimum. Your brain loves to like tasks with like tasks. So instead of scattering phone calls, meetings, administrative work, and emails throughout the day, try grouping related tasks so that you have fewer of those transitions. For instance, read reports, memos, and articles, one right after the other. Schedule meetings back to back. Keep a list of administrative tasks and do them at a single session throughout the week. If possible, like Sally was saying, try to have do email a couple times a day. Bucket your emails instead of ha- responding to them the moment they arrive. This, is a, this allows you to get focused time on a task versus having your day full where you're constantly switching tasks from one thing to the other, which really can drain your brain energy. Three, Use the four Ds to process or sort your inbox to keep it clean. Make a decision on email versus letting it sit there and get moldy. Delete, do it, delegate it, or defer it until later. Sort the inbox first so you can see the most important emails that you need to respond to today versus just doing what comes in first or last. Sometimes people just do what's at the top of their inbox and they get those ones sent out, but those ones are not always the most strategic ones in their inbox. So make sure you sort it first before you get into the doing of the email. If you use Outlook or Gmail, learn the cool features inside that tool. If you use Outlook, Outlook has great things called quick steps, quick parts, and quick keys to help decrease keystrokes and wasted time. The next tip I have for you is start to declutter your electronic and physical world. Stuff either physical or electronic, has an energy to it. It's like this small weight on your shoulders. So start getting rid of trash and junk and stuff you'll never read or never use in your life and keep it clean. So those are the recipes for success from this show. And I also wanted to say we have some tips from um, self-made billionaires. And E. Katrina Walters wrote a little article on this. And I'd love to share some of the things that other billionaires, millionaires think about in terms of productivity. So Richard Branson said, one of my favorite 
tricks is to conduct most of my meetings standing up. I find it to be the quickest way of getting down to business, making a decision, and sealing the deal. Warren Buffett, the difference between successful people and very successful people is that very successful people say no to almost everything. Andy Grove, my day ends when I'm tired and ready to go home, not when I'm done. I'll never be done. There is always more to be done, more I should be done, always more that can be done. So I think a lot of the things that these you know, three famous and brilliant minds have, are saying is very similar to what Sally was saying earlier. We can't do everything. We have to say no to certain things to prioritize and then find the tricks that work for you to be productive. So now I want to just say a very special thank you to Sally McGee for being on the show. If you want more information about MPS programs, you can on how to increase your personal productivity with Take Back Your Life. Or if you're interested in building or shifting your team's culture around productivity, you can visit MPS website at mcgeepro.com or email info at mcgeepro.com. So that wraps up our show today, and I want to get us ready for next week. So next week, we are finally getting back to our Corporate Athlete Part 2 with special guest Travis Dummert. He's a current president of Jackson Health IT and the co-founder of I Run You Run. In his role as co-founder of I Run You Run, Travis spent years studying athletes and the military and brought tons of that knowledge and wisdom into the corporate environment. One of the major insights that Travis noticed was the importance of tracking key daily behaviors and being accountable to those specific actions. Travis, along with his co-founder, Mark Newton, built a fun, cool, easy app to help people and teams capture behaviors that drive success and accountability in their world. Travis has worked with both Uh, Fortune 500 companies and individuals alike to help them achieve personal and organizational goals. So tune in next week to hear how you can increase your performance with insights from sport and military training and hear about this fabulous accountability tool, I Run You Run. Until then, plant some seeds for change in your life and consider what micro change you can make this week to increase your mental game. Of course, you can reach out to me at thementalgameoflife at gmail.com. Have a wonderful week. I'll see you in seven days. Thank you for tuning into The Mental Game of Life with Dr. Christy Warner. Please be sure to join us again next Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Let's talk next week.